uh, like I said, a few uh, stories about some Bible characters uh, in, in, our, in our lesson today. But, you know, Elijah, you remember that guy? About 600 years or what, 400 years before Christ? Somewhere around there, 600 years? He had struggles. You know, we, we're going to read in Scripture where he wanted his life to be taken. Some would, say, some would say he was suicidal. You know, if you want your life to be taken, you know, this is where, this is where Elijah was that we talk about. Um, what about the, the guy who led Jesus, I mean, led the people out of the bondage of Egypt? Was he riddled with? Remember that guy, Moses? He struggled. He had problems. You know, Paul the apostle was in prison, was, in, was beaten, um, but you know, all these people we see, we're going to look at and see where God set them free. Where God set them free. And, and that's what I want you to take from this message today. Um, God took their mess, their struggles, and their, their situation in life and made it a message. You know, a, a message of hope. A message of, of, uh, of love. And um, we're going to look at these characters today and... Um, People who you know, like I said, and people who worshiped and trusted God even when their life is not so great. Can I, can I have a show of hands of, of anyone that says that life is great and it's just no problem and I have uh, no struggles in life? Well, I didn't think so. I didn't think we were going to get any hands raised there. So now that we're all on the same page with this, let's, uh, let's look at the first story we're going to look at. And it's in the book of Acts, probably one of my favorite uh, chat uh, books, the book of Acts. A lot goes on in the book of Acts. But a certain instant in chapter 16, I've preached on this many times because this is one of my favorite stories of the Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, of um, uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as he walked this earth and he done miraculous things. So we're going to put it on the screen and you follow along. And here we go. Acts chapter 16. Verse 16, we're going to read through verse 28. And it says, as, they were, as we were going to a place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She, um, she followed Paul. I was going to read it from here because that's so small. <laughs> no funny. Okay, where am I? Following after Paul, I'm going to read from the New American Standard Bible, I'm sorry, but that's going to be the ESV on the screen, so for extra special version for you. Okay, just kidding. Following the apostle, following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. Many days, it says. It says, but Paul was greatly annoyed, and he turned and he came, and it he turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. Salvation, right? Okay, so verse 19, it says, But when her masters had saw that their hopes and their profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged, him, dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews. A little racism there, huh? Okay. And then he says, and, and, and are proclaiming customs which is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being 
we are Romans. The crowd, the crowd arose uh, together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off, and they proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he said, having received such a command, and he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas, praying and singing hymns of praise of God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundation of the prison had been shaken, were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and he saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Um, this story is interesting because Paul radically encountered God. Uh, we, we know that as we... Uh, look at the story of his, his life as he traveled to Damascus. But, you know, his life was majorly transformed. And he had made it his mission. He had decided, Paul, that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ was what he was going to preach no matter where he went, even if it meant he was going to be persecuted or beaten or put in jail. Um, he was going to do this. And this wasn't any jail. You think about it, This wasn't any jail that Paul was placed in. It was the inner jail, the dungeon. And, you know, think about it. Have you, I don't know. I don't necessarily going to ask you to raise your hands. But have you ever been in jail before? Uh, it's not fun. Yeah, me too, Andy. Um, all the ones that you love are on the outside. And then you have these new friends that you can't trust. And so it's, it's very different. And this is where Paul was. He was in the inner deepest parts of the dungeon, seemingly abandoned by God. And all because of, he was doing God's work. I mean, how bad can that be? I'm doing God's work, and here I am, and there's no God. Loneliest place someone could be, I think. You know, Paul and Silas, they chose to, they chose to take their struggles off of their situation and place it on God. It says they were worshiping. They were worshiping um, You know how the story ended, that the, 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 the jail doors popped open and their chains came off and they were all set free. And, you know, up until this point, they were all faced with loneliness. They were all faced with uh, 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 the worst possible situation ever. But what did they know? One simple truth. One simple truth that carried them through it and that Jesus is always with us even when we feel alone. Can I get an amen? Good. So here's a question I want to ask you. Here's a question I ask the youth. And I know that we do this because we're normal. And have you ever fallen into the prey of what if? Now I know you have because, especially for the last couple of years with the COVID situation that we've been going in, the conspiracy theorists are out there. And, you know, they're doing the what if. And, and you know, it's, uh, you know, what if trap, you know, about one little situation, it's going to be a struggle in your life, and then you go, what if? What if? And then it just snowballs into uh, a, a, a big, unhealthy struggle that you have, and 
you've fully blown up a scenario that don't even know if it's going to happen yet. Am I the only one that's done that? Good. Good. You know, when the world's falling apart around us, many times we will what if it. Um, And, you know, many people, I know today it's a major problem in our society. Many people struggle with anxiety. Many people struggle with anxiety and, and worry. And, you know, many of you are probably looking at me and said, Preston, you've probably never experienced that before. Well, I have. You know, I know I'm uh, silly and like to be not serious all the time, but uh, we can hide things well, can't we? And, you know, and worry and anxiety will plague your life. And, and see, here's the thing. Anxiety can quickly become a storm in your life that you feel like you have no power over, nothing that I can do to, to get through this. Max Licato said this, no one can pray and worry at the same time. So here's the, here's the challenge, church, at the beginning of the message. Here's the challenge. When worry starts to plague your mind, because that's where it's going to come first, remind yourself, let me just pray to my God who has conquered all my worries and conquered all my struggles. I want us to read in, in more scripture in the, in the book of Philippians chapter 4. We're going to have that on the screen. I don't know if I got Aaron to change the font size. Nope, it's still small. Look at that. Man, I can see that. <laughs> um, Philippians chapter 4 verse 15, it says, And you, Philippians, yourselves know that it is the beginning, of, that in the beginning of the gospel when I left, Macedonia, Macedonia, no church entered into the partnership with me in giving and receiving except only you. That's the wrong, no it's not. Okay, what verse are we on? It was supposed to be through 20. Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. Now that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more, and I, will, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, this is a person's name, uh, the fragrant offering, the sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply. Here's what we need to write this verse down, church. My God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Jesus Christ. And to to our God the Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord God, thank you for the promise that we find in your word. Lord, not our words, not things that we have made up, but promises that the Apostle Paul spoke of here to the church in Philippi. That we can trust in you. That you supply our needs according to your glory. We praise your name for that, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, God promises to guard our minds. I need my mind guarded. Do you? I need my mind guarded. Um, And you know what? He, he, He promises to guard our mind with peace. With peace when we choose to pray. When we choose to pray instead of worry, like I said in the quote, Max Licato says, it's kind of hard to pray and worry at the same time. Some of you probably can do that. I'm sure you're telling yourself, I can do it, Preston. 
We have to focus, you know, focus our mind on Christ. Exodus chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, it says, The Israelites, they cry for help to come, has come, sorry, the Israelites cry for help has come to me. And I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You know, I thought the exact same thing when you were asking and checking on me about being a pastor here at this church. I was thinking, who am I? You guys are crazy. I just started walking with God. I have no education. You know, I just, because of you, I had faith and I trusted in God that he was going to get me through it. And that's what Moses did. Moses was riddled, riddled with anxiety. You know, and God's telling him that he's going to do huge things. Can you imagine what Moses was thinking when he thought, you know, what if <laughs> I go up to Pharaoh and he says, off with his head? That could have easily happened, amen? I mean, Pharaoh could have done that. He was the man in charge. But you know, Moses probably began listening to the lies in his head. What if I'm not qualified? What if I don't know what to say? What if they don't listen? Pastor Frank, you think that sometimes. What if they don't listen? Don't listen to me. Listen to God. This is what I say. What, and this is what Moses was probably saying. We don't know this. We didn't write, write it down. But we can think for ourselves. Uh, and sometimes we struggle with that. But, uh, you know, what am I supposed to tell them when they ask me who sent me? You know, that would be my biggest question. I could go up there and tell them everything I wanted to know. But then they're going to, whose authority are you telling me this with? What did God say? God assured Moses that he would be with him. You know, that he would be with him, that he wasn't asking Moses to do it alone. It says in Scripture, we says, I will certainly be with you, and this will be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship at this mountain. God answered to Moses in the same as he answers our doubts, our fears, our anxiety that we struggle with today. Here's the thing. It says that he will be with you. He is our I am. You know, say that. He is our I am. He is my I am. Meaning that what? What do I tell the kids every week? What is this? It's the Bible. What's in it? God's Word. What's it tell us? Everything we need to know. What's it tell us? Everything we need to know. There's nothing that we don't need to know that's not in here, right? It tells us everything we need to know. We, we need to... God's going to be with us, meaning everything, with everything. And Moses then, look, we see, he, he replied, he says, I am who I am. Moses, I'm sorry, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am have sent you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is how I am to be remembered in every generation. You know, each week Tara and I get the privilege to, to go into the uh, preschool with the, the, the little three-year-olds, two-year-olds, and four-year-olds, and we do chapel. 
And it's so fun because they're dancing and they're having fun. Uh, Tara sings two or three little children's songs with them, and they get up and they dance and they move, and then I'll share a little message with them. And a week or two ago, I don't remember when, I asked the children um, to, to repeat something with me, and I'm going to challenge you to do that today. You willing? You know that you are God's child if you've trusted him as Lord and Savior. You belong to him. Okay? And here's what I want you to say. God loves me. Let's do it on the count of three together. One, two, three. God loves me. You know what scripture says? Even in your sin. Man, that's encouraging to Preston. I don't know about you. I know where I fall short. And I need that promise. I need to know that even, even that I've given my life to him, and, and I've asked him to be my Lord and Savior, I still sin. I struggle. I need to know that God is with me. I need to know in my everyday life that he loves me or what. I'll stick my head in a hole and not want to deal with the, 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 the way of life. You know, he doesn't call us to walk in worry. He calls us to walk in faith, and we know that. We've heard that. Our pastor preaches it to us every week. When we tell him what we are worried about or afraid of in prayer, he can tell us what his plans are for us. So here's the question. Have you, have you asked God to help you? Have you, have you actually asked him to, and told him literally where you're struggling, what your problem is, or you just tried to keep it to yourself and, and, and figure it out on your own? Or maybe tell your spouse or your friend, and y'all too try to team up. We've got to cast our anxiety on our God. You know, we have, to, we have to cast that to him. When, when we trust in him, we will truly find Here's the next question. I know many of you have done this. You've been to a sporting event or somewhere where you've screamed so loud for your favorite team or your favorite fan and you just lost your voice. Okay, let me, let me make it a little bit more real for you, some of your parents. Have you ever screamed at your children so loud and so long that you lost your breath, JJ? That you lost your voice? You didn't have to, huh? You had that fear. So... I want to talk about a, a, a guy who screamed or maybe probably cried out so loud in Scripture that he lost his voice, and it's in the book of Psalms, chapter 69, verses 1 through 3, and it says this, Save me, O God. Have you ever said that? Have you ever said, Save me, O God? You should try it. You should try it. And the rest says, For the water has come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. You know, David must have been in a bad place here. I mean, he must have been in some serious trouble. He's calling out to God for help and he's calling out and he's... His can't talk anymore. Do you think you need to talk to talk to God? I don't think so. 
But I think it's good. Because then it makes it real for me. David was in a bad place and he was calling out to God and his throat failed him. Um, his eyes also failed him too. He was looking for God, searching for him and all the mess that he faced. Um, but you know, David knew that God would never leave him. But he couldn't see that at that moment. He couldn't see him anymore, any, anywhere. He had... Uh, Have you ever been in an awful situation or a, a, a time in your life when you kept telling yourself, God is with me in all this? But no matter where you looked, you really couldn't see God? You know, sometimes we know God is with us, but we can't see Him or hear Him or feel Him. At that time, at the time he, David wrote this, it sounds kind of like David, he's done. We don't, you know, kind of really don't really think about this, but there's probably a pretty good chance that David battled, David battled with depression. You know, he never left God, and God certainly not, never left him, but David struggled. He experienced the loss of losing a close friend, Jonathan. I don't know if you've ever experienced that in life, but it hurts. He experienced his, his baby from Bathsheba passed away. I don't know if you've ever lost a child, but I can't imagine how that would feel. He lost his brother, Absalom. He's experienced, experienced stress of being a king of God's chosen people. I mean, place yourself in that boat for a minute. The king of God's chosen people and the spiritual pressure of being called the man after God's own heart. I mean, whew, that's a lot. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you, you, maybe you love someone who is suffering with depression right now. Here's what I want us to know. The storm of depression may feel great in your life, but what is greater? God is, isn't he? God is greater. God is greater than everything that we can imagine. And see here, David knew it was okay to not be okay in God's presence. David knew it was okay to not be okay in the presence of God. But he also knew it wasn't okay to stay that way. God understands who you are. He understands your struggle. He understands your anxiety. But he wants to move you past it. He wants to get us into where we can truly be in worship and have peace with him. You know, David... David didn't shy away from telling God exactly how he felt, did he? David knew that God was able to deliver him from his struggle. And when he chose to be honest with God about how he, how he felt, if we choose to be honest with God about how we feel, despite everything we're going through, get our eyes off the circumstance we're in and just place them on God, we're going to be better off. Aren't we? Amen? Right away, wait. 
Defeat and hopelessness are hard things to come face to faith with. And you know, here's the thing. The, the, the temptation can often be too quick before things get worse. One, one last uh, person I want us to look at in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 12. It says, when the, Lord, when the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been zealous, zealous for the Lord of hosts. For the Lord God of hosts. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, tore down the altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I am alone, and I, I alone am left, and I am looking for. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand in the mountain in the, in the Lord's presence. And at that moment, the Lord passed by a great mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and shattered the cliffs before the Lord, and the Lord was not in the winds. And after the wind was, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went outside at the entrance of the cave. Elijah had seen God do incredible things. I've seen God do incredible things. I question if he's going to do something else sometimes. Incredible. I'm sure Elijah did too. But we find him at this point where he feels utterly hopeless. I mean, you'd think after seeing God move in these miraculous ways, in these radical ways, that Elijah would be a constant... Like we go to at camp, guys. When we go to camp and we're on that Jesus high all week and it's like, woo, this is where I want to live forever. Why wasn't Elijah kind of like that? Even after seeing God do amazing things, he later became overwhelmed with fear, began to experience suffering. And during that suffering, Elijah reached out uh, uh, and said, I don't want to live anymore. Did you know that suicide is one of the fastest growing problems in our world today? In our country especially? Especially among this age group. It's not funny. I mean, why is life so not precious? Why, why am I allowing, why are we as Christians allowing the struggles and the anxiety of life to make us not want to live? It's the easy way out? I don't know. I've often thought myself, and I, I know I'm not going to ask you to, to, to agree or anything, but I know we've all thought in our head, you know, what about, what if I wasn't here? I know my brother Brian says, bring it on, I'm ready to go see Jesus, he's ready. But, you know, we've all thought about, you know, it would be just easier if I was dead. We've all thought that. I know we have. But it's not. It's better that we're here because if we're here, God has something for you to do. Amen? And that's to tell others. That's to love other people. Here, there's, there's, there's more good news 
God showed up for Elijah. He gave him everything he needed to keep going. And God never says he won't experience hard things. God never says that we will not experience hard things. No one, I don't think, was lonelier or more hopeless than Jesus on the cross. I mean, think about this for just a moment real quick. Our Lord and Savior Jesus on the cross, God himself in the flesh, had anxiety and doubt and fear. And he said, God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus died on the cross for our sins and bore the full weight of the world so that we could live in victory because of the cross. So this is, this is what I want you to hear today. When, when you give your life to Christ, it's no longer your life. It's no longer your life. So you don't deserve to be all riddled with anxiety and, and loneliness and all these struggles. It's not your place anymore. It's not your life anymore. So you can just say, you know what, it's not my life anymore. I'm not going to worry. Now, God gave us a brain, too. We've got to think logically. We've got to use that thing. I know I'm very poor at using it sometimes. Not as good as others. But he has, he has amazing plans for us, and he loves us more than you can imagine. We've already talked about that. While we were in our sin, Christ died for us. So, if you don't know, God has your back. I hope that you uh, learned something about these characters that we talked about today in our verse, in our, in our verses. And, you know, just like the, the little children that I was telling you about in chapel, just try that. <laughs> I mean, when you're down and deep and anxiety, build up, struggle, whatever the case may be, just say to yourself, God loves me. Let's do it again. One, two, three, God loves me. Lord God, we love you. We thank you, Father, for loving us. And Lord, as we think about these characters that we read in Scripture today, how they were men who chased after you, who saw the great things you'd done and still struggled, Father. Help us to learn from what we read today, Lord. Help us to be more like you, Father. But we know we we will face struggle and anxiety for the rest of this life. But Father, we know in eternity no more worry. Lord, if there's one here today feels hopeless that wants to die speak touch their hearts for the kingdom in Jesus name